Welcome to the Let's Talk ICT podcast. Today we're having with us Byron Becker. He's the founder of CanScale, uh, a scalable distributed infrastructure for uh, the internet computer. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Byron, uh, for being with us today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, Javier. Thanks for having me on. Great. Um, yeah, before to start, today the interview is uh, a little bit ICT Pro. <laughs> is uh, technical, uh, is for, for the outside ICT community. If you are not familiar with the ICT technology, uh, it could be difficult to understand or, or follow the, the conversation a little bit, maybe. Anyway, we will try to explain the concepts in an easy way. And Byron, uh, yeah, can explain everything in an easy way for, for the people that are not developers. Um, yes, first question as always, tell us more about you, introduce yourself, please, Byron. Yeah, sure. Um, so I currently live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and um, after I went to uh, school for computer science at the University of Colorado Boulder. And after that, I worked at a startup, and I worked at AWS. And um, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do next, I found that one of my uh, ex-professors, Matthew Hammer, um, who was you know on on, on tenure track. He decided to uh, work at this place called Definity for a, a crypto project. So I said, "What's what's going on here? Why would he leave his tenure track to work at you know some some crypto project?" And I started playing around with the SDK, and it felt really like a cloud. Um, I myself, I'm not a, I'm not a, I, I don't consider myself uh, a crypto developer. I played a little bit around with Solidity, but. Um, when I when I found the internet computer, it just felt really really nice from a development experience perspective, and playing around with it and seeing the potential and the vision got me really really excited, and so um, I found my way through the developer grants program, and um, started building uh, CanDB originally as a developer grant, which uh, I entered in Supernova, and that's sort of what uh, brought you know that project a lot of visibility and um, over the past you know six to eight months a lot of projects had been using CanDB uh, and uh, you know having a lot of success integrating with it and um, that's sort of parlayed into several other projects that I've worked on on the internet computer but um, yeah, I'm I'm really happy that I that I found uh, Definity and and the internet computer. Nice, great. Oh, CanDB and then CanScale is is the the update or the evolution or or, or not or it's totally different. Uh, sorry, you say that one more time. Yeah, no, no. I mean, like CanScale uh, is the same CanDB and CanScale or. Oh uh, yeah, no, that's a that's a common misconception, actually. Uh, when I when I got the logo designed for uh, for CanDB, it was sort of funny because the designer was like, "Hey, everyone's kind of confused. Like, are you CanScale or CanDB? What is what's going on here? Which one's which?" So, my original thought was, uh, "Well, first off, CanDB is the very first horizontally scalable NoSQL data store for the internet computer." And for those of you who are not familiar with databases, um, you know, um, there's like PostgreSQL or SQL, which is a type of relational database. 
And then there's MongoDB or Amazon DynamoDB uh, or Apache Cassandra. Those are NoSQL databases. So there's uh, NoSQL databases, which are relationable, and then NoSQL databases, which essentially mean not SQL or non-relational databases. And so I built a scalable NoSQL data store uh, for the internet computer, and that is CanDB. Um, but I also had the intention starting off of not just building CanDB, but also other infrastructure uh, and software tooling for the internet computer. And so that's where CanScale comes in. And that's, uh, you know, sort of an initiative to build a suite of scalable uh, infrastructure products for the internet computer. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, great. And uh, how do you decide to undertake the, the project? Uh, you mentioned something before about the, the, your, your professor, right, in, in, um, in the university that he was working at the Philippi Foundation. But how, how you decided to undertake it? But also, you mentioned you are not like, in the beginning, not like a full-time developer, right? Like you don't have the skills in the beginning for that. But now, um, CanScale is using, utilizing for a lot of different projects. How you decided to undertake and take the risk because you worked before in Amazon, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think I was also fortunate enough to have worked at, uh, you know, a big tech company and had a little bit of the uh, entrepreneurial fire as well as a little bit of, uh, you know, funding in my pocket to take that risk. And the developer grant also really helped me, plus the Supernova project uh, or hackathon really helped me say, okay, I can, you know, get by and build software and see how this goes and sort of take a risk. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of young developers that are, you know, in their early, early to mid twenties or early thirties, and they don't have kids and they don't have a mortgage and they really want to dive into a green space with a lot of opportunity. Uh, you know, for those types of uh, developers, the internet computer is very, very attractive. Um, there's so many new things that can be built on it. There's so many things that don't exist on it. And there's a lot of value uh, that people just haven't even realized yet. So um, that's that's what you know. I try to do in each and every one of my projects is find uh, find an area that um, that where I can you know make the most of my skill set and provide a lot of value to developers and other users. Mm -hmm. That's great. And also, um, when I did the interview with Rick Porter, the founder of Discover, uh, is is like saying the beginning is the same. Story because he he tells story because uh, he started working in Microsoft or, or Google or, or Amazon and then exactly he took that that risk he quit the company and then start the his own path and that that's amazing right because uh it's one of the big tech or the biggest companies salaries are really good uh all the the yeah not not only salaries right also social things and, and different perks are really good and then you took the risk and that's amazing that's amazing yeah yeah i mean i i will say that there are also a lot of really talented developers in the ecosystem who are getting up to speed and contributing through the bounty program and um you know ic devs which is run by austin fathery um 
they have bounties to you know build different libraries here and there and the grants program is also something that you can do on a elongated time scale uh if you don't have as much time you know you get a full-time job or whatnot so uh, there's there's also a lot of opportunities for developers to get involved even if they don't have you know 30 40 hours a week Great, yeah. This is all good to know for all the developers that are listening us. Um, and yeah, okay. If we dig in more in, in the project, what is exactly can uh, scale? What is your vision with that? What is your, your idea? Why is an exceptional tool for, for the IC developer? Yeah, so uh, I'll start off first with CanDB, okay. uh, which is the, the database product that I mentioned. So um, so can so there's a issue with uh, storing data, or that at least there originally was an issue with storing data on the inner computer. Um, such there's well, there's two specific areas you can store data. One is in main memory, otherwise known as heap memory, and uh, there's four gigabytes of of that available to developers. And then there's another area called stable memory. Stable memory. Uh, originally was eight gigabytes at launch, but that has since been expanded to 48 gigabytes and there's plans to expand that further. Uh, heat memory is very, very flexible and uh, you can use all sorts of different data structures that are dynamic and um, stable memory, on the other hand, at least in the current iteration is a little bit more rigid but I know uh, Definity is making some amazing progress to improve that. And I'll get into that a little bit later. But when I first came to the internet computer, I looked at these two different options, eight, eight gigabytes of more inflexible memory and four gigabytes of very flexible and dynamic memory. And I decided I'm gonna build a scalable data store that you doesn't use just the, the, you know, the, the heat memory of one canister, but can span multiple canisters and can scale horizontally. So spinning up additional canister smart contracts um, and, and partitioning the data across all, all of those canister smart contracts. And this is very similar to paradigms that you'll see in say Amazon DynamoDB, where there's a partition key that allows you to partition the data across all of those different canister smart contracts. So when I built uh, a demo for the Supernova Hackathon, what I did was I uploaded 12 gigabytes of uh, data from Reddit up to the internet computer blockchain across spread across 150 canisters uh, partitioned across them. And I showed how easy it was to flexibly query them and rank them by score, uh, the latest one by subreddit, uh, filter by date range, and have all of these sort of very powerful and flexible query patterns that you'd expect in a web two application for big data and serving these back to the, the user in a like performant manner. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, and when we say like infinite scalability is thanks to Biden, right? <laughs> <laughs> what? In the internet computer blockchain, when we say like infinite scalability, is is you you have right you put your your grain of sand there because you also like uh with the canisters if it's uh something like 
is scalable, right? And, and you can um, use the, the data in whatever canisters, a lot of them. Um, it means it's totally infinite scalable, right? It means it's like the blockchain can grow and grow and increase and increase because there are a lot of canisters that can support uh, or hold the, the memory, right? It's not like limited. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely uh the the architecture that the internet computer has uh or that the definity has chosen for the internet computer and this you know having this subnet style architecture is very very scalable um of course there's there's theoretical scalability and then there's also always putting it into practice um and there's always new bottlenecks that show up but the the uh, horizontal is scaling approach, which is what a lot of NoSQL databases do, and is sort of what the internet computer does as well, has been shown to scale horizontally uh, without impacting performance. And so um, that's uh, in, in achieving, you know, whatever, whatever scale the internet computer ends up at, hopefully, you know, AWS scale one day, um, I, uh, I I think that, you know, CanDB in this whole sort of uh, horizontal uh, scalability architecture is is really in line um, all the way up through the subnet architecture, right? Because that's horizontal subnet scaling. Yeah, horizontal, yeah. That, that's cool. Um, and for people that don't know exactly what is the difference between smart contract and canister? What is it? Canister is, is, is similar to smart contracts in Ethereum, or is it different? Is it like an evolution in your opinion? What yeah, that? well, well, um, take this with a grain of salt because I haven't developed too much on uh, on Ethereum. But yeah. from what I know, uh, in Ethereum, smart contracts are immutable, and um, in that way, they're not able to be upgraded. Whereas the internet computer and canisters on the internet computer are able to be upgraded either by the developer, if they have full control of that canister smart contract, the code can be upgraded, um, or they could be upgraded by a DAO, or uh, the developer could choose to uh, uh, give up its access and black hole the canister, in which case at that point, it would behave very much like a Ethereum smart contract. But there's one caveat in there in that Ethereum card, uh, smart contracts, from, from what I understand, they essentially execute code, whereas Canister smart contracts both hold code and state in that they not just can execute code and computation, but they can then also hold and store data and uh, updates and mutations to that data. Mm -hmm. That's a huge advance. Totally different, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, nice. Uh, another thing that I would like to talk with you is about the the recently um, news that uh, Origin Foundation, the Swiss foundation related with digital certificates, uh, takes over CanDB. Uh, if you can before talk about CanDB, and also. Um, as we talked before, um, I understand that CanDB is an is a is yeah, an important part of the business. Can you explain us better what is exactly the features of, of CanDB uh, and why it's so important for the 
for the origin certificate. Maybe the, the question is more related uh, about um, why origin uh, bog um, candidate and why it's uh, Yeah, well, I, I think that there's been a lot of value that projects across the ecosystem have gotten from having a fully scalable uh, data store available to them on the internet computer, at least, you know, and, and right now CanDB is, is built using the Matoko programming language and it's available for that, but it could be rewritten in Rust or TypeScript uh, quite easily. Um, so uh, the Origin Foundation is a uh, Matoko shop full of Matoko developers. Uh -huh. And there's a there's a big synergy there. Um, and in addition, the um, the Origin Foundation with a lot of their NFT technology um, and uh, a lot of their projects, they're storing large amounts of data on the internet computer. So they have a need to uh, to flexibly store this and also uh, want to contribute to CanDB um, and, and modify it, create managed products and services uh, around it for users, for stakeholders, regulators, auditors, all sorts of um, projects. Um, and then additionally, uh, over the you know, over the past year, I've been wondering how an, an open source project like CanDB can monetize and how any open source project can really monetize. It's difficult for a lot of open source projects. You see uh, these, you know, big companies, Google, Microsoft, Apple, all under the hood, they're using open source software that's maintained by, you know, a few dedicated people on a weekend. Um, so, um, I came up with this idea that I think fits really well with the internet computer and it's called a decentralization license. And the idea is that the license is completely free to use for all projects up until the point that they have a mass liquidity event like a SNS at which point they, uh, in their sns.yaml uh, file where they just, you know, say, I'm going to give this much percent to this neuron at this date and, you know, yada, 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 or uh, like, like uh, OpenChat did, you know, they had a little bit go to the founders, a little bit go to Definity that, that funded it. Um, additionally, you know, certain open source libraries that have helped that project power it or have powered that project to an SNS um, can receive a small percentage of the proceeds of the sale. And so um, in this way, it's analogous to saying when a big project succeeds big, the open source project succeeds a little bit as well alongside of it. Um, and you can actually even think about applying this to any uh, open source project, like a, a Web2 open source project. Uh, we see a lot of IPOs that are big and projects are making billions of dollars when they IPO, right? We have all these unicorns. And some of the foundational open source libraries that help those projects get there, um, it would be nice if they were rewarded as well. I think it, it would really help in this virtuous cycle of maintaining 
open source software and also in ensuring that it's secure um, and sustained going into the future. So, um, so anyways, so this decentralization license, uh, I, I uh, talked about this with the Origin Foundation and they're very interested in it. IC Devs is a big proponent of open source software. And uh, this is a, another way that uh, CanDB can have some intrinsic value in addition to uh, the value it provides to the, the libraries and projects that use it. Mm -hmm. But uh, and, and, uh, and how CanDB can, can monetize exactly the, this thing um, for other people that use uh, open source? Um, is it possible to monetize because they have the information free, right? So maybe it's like a, a naive question or I'm not pretty sure, but I'm trying to put in the entrepreneur side. Um, if you de deploy the, the, the canisters and, and the, uh, you can host the data on CanDB, how you can uh, monetize that? How like other projects pay you for use the on open source? That's, as you mentioned before, it's pretty difficult, right? Yeah, yeah. So sort of getting back to the uh, idea of a decentralization license. When a project SNSs, the license has a clause in it that says, once you uh, you know sell off 20% or more of your company in a large liquidation or major liquidity event, then a certain percentage of the amount raised in tokens or in fiat or whatever needs to go to the the uh, CanDB project if you're using it. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But if you never uh, liquidate or raise funds, um, you know that's one iteration of it. Um, there's also if if you'd like to read more, uh, the Origin Foundation has. Uh, has written up a license in this uh, in this type of direction. It's they're calling it the OSFL, and uh, maybe I'll I'll give you a link you can provide in the in the notes for this podcast. For sure, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, as you mentioned before, if, if the project has successful, yeah, you can uh, have successful as, as well, right? Candy, we can get money for that. Yeah, it's not necessarily intended to be any type of a regressive tax on projects. Uh, you know, most projects, uh, they're starting out, you're not sure what you're going to do. And that's not really fair for the CandyB project to try and extract any value at that point. It's really only meant for projects that have, be, have been successful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. And what does the future CandyB project look like? For you, what is the for the next uh, five ten years? Any updates? Any other things that you 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 think can can improve? Um. Yeah. Well. Uh. Also, I just wanted to extend one one point there is uh, back on the uh, uh, the decentralization license. One thing that uh, I know that uh, both myself and Origin Foundation are interested in doing with CandyB in the future are uh, turning it into a DAO. And the way that you could do this is by um, the DAO holding the rights to the um, decentralization license. And um, anytime a, uh, essentially a project uh, wants to use that license, um, 
they can either pay, they can pay for that in tokens, uh, candy B tokens, um, or they can do a token swap with their with their fundraise through the SNS. Um, and um, additionally, contributors uh, who want to you know add something to the library or fix a bug, they can also be rewarded in tokens, or they could get a discount on a decentralization license in the future. Um, so these are uh, some of my ideas as well for how you can, uh, you know, tokenize around an open source project. Um, and I think that's that's one of the future goals for CanDB. But there's also many uh, other more technical uh, areas of growth for CanDB, including including a little bit more robust tooling around access control, uh, things like secondary indexes audit logs, um, uh, backups. And I'm really excited because the Motoko team has put forth a very exciting vision for the future of Motoko. So I think that CandyB uh, may look very, very different in the future and a lot more powerful depending on how a lot of those features play out in the next six to 12 months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, uh, there is another project, or maybe it's related. Uh, the, you mentioned something before about no code canister, uh, the cycle up, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's difficult to understand, honestly. Like the different differences between can scale, can be cycle ups. Uh, yeah, and then for me, everything is not the same for sure. Everything has uh, their own thing, but. Yeah, I should I should just I should just give up. I don't know how psycho uh, psychedelic did it. They had psychedelic, and then they had all these different projects. I just can't seem to get it right. Um, but uh, no, so uh, any any developer on Web two or Web three, if you're building what you what you'd like to be sort of a production grade application that you can rely on, you build testing um, into the application. And then you also build monitoring into the application. Mm -hmm. And specifically on the internet computer, the way that developers pay for their applications is with cycles. And cycles are, are, um, are acquired through burning ICP. So uh, what you'll do is as a developer, you're, you'll burn ICP or you'll acquire it for cheaper on an exchange like Sonic. Um, you'll then take that those cycles, you'll send them to your canister. And as your canister chugs along and you know responds to user requests and stores data, it will periodically burn cycles. Um, now this is great, but one of the issues is eventually it's burning cycles and your canister will potentially run out of cycles. Before it runs out, there's a thing called a freezing threshold, which essentially, it's a safety mechanism that you know stops the canister from working instead of the totally depleting all the cycles and deleting it. So it just stops the canister. And then hopefully people will alert you and say, hey, this canister is not working anymore. You're out of cycles. You should top it back up. And we've seen this happen with, I think, the wrapped ICP canister on Sonic and several other canisters. We actually saw the, uh, I think, IC Turtles NFT collection uh, completely run out of cycles, which was a which was a big sort of dramatic issue on the internet computer. 
So what Cyclops does um, is it periodically monitors your canisters for you, and it allows you to provide an email address that we can notify you and say, hey, your canister is running low on cycles. But we actually do more than that in that we allow you to just put ICP in an account and provide what we're calling top-up rules, saying when your cycles balance falls below a certain amount, top me up by this many cycles. And then what we do is we take a little bit of ICP from your account and we top up your canisters. And then we alert you. We send you an email saying, hey, your canister has just been topped up by CycleOps. And then after a while, your ICB balance will run low. And we have an alert for that too. So when your ICB balance runs low, we say, hey, your ICB balance is low. Time to top up with more ICP. Um, what you might see on, um, so, so we're solving a big problem here in monitoring. It just is proactively getting ahead of the issue instead of developers waiting for something to happen or periodically and manually checking in on their own. And in addition, what CycleOps does is it provides um, a auditable transaction history that you can then take to your accountant and say, these were my compute costs for the past few months or the quarter or the year and um, for, for your business. And the really neat thing about CycleOps is with Web2 monitoring, you're adding code to integrate with, you know, PagerDuty, uh, add Prometheus, add all these functionalities to do your monitoring. But with CycleOps, we do this with a no-code integration, meaning you don't need to add a single line of code to your canister for us to monitor you. Um, and this, this allows people to onboard in 10 or 15 minutes. And we do this using some of the superpowers of the internet computer. I can go a little bit more in depth. Uh, yeah, and uh, you want me to do, okay. Well, so um, we use a, what's, I, I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, something called a black hole canister. And that's analogous to an Ethereum smart contract, which cannot be modified ever. And we have this black hole car, uh, canister smart contract, which is responsible for monitoring all of the other canister smart contracts. And it uses this, this, it calls this method called canister status. Now for one of, for this canister to call one of your canisters canister status method, it needs to be what's called a controller of it. And this could be dangerous just to hand over to any other canister because then they could upgrade your canister or um, you know, change the application that's running in it completely. But because this canister that we're using to monitor is completely black holed, we know that it can only do the things specified in its code and it's never going to change. So in that way, uh, we, we provide a way to, for you to be able to quickly and easily monitor that it's black holed, this is the code that's running, uh, and that whole part is open sourced. But um, then canisters that have integrated with us, like Discover, like the Matoko Playground canistering and Candid UI canisters, like Itoka that is integrated with us, uh, essentially they add our uh, monitoring canister that's black holed as a controller. And this allows us to monitor them without adding any code to their canisters. And they can remove the controller at any time or add it back if they want to continue monitoring. 
So it's completely seamless, it's stress-free, and it's frictionless. That's amazing, yeah. That's cool because uh, uh, I understand the canisters uh, before to death, before to die, uh, it's like sick, right? And you need to fuel, you need to put gas in, in the canister, right? You need to, to uh, try to uh, maintain alive the canister again. And uh, the good thing is that people can receive like a, it's like an email, right? Email or, or what? Yeah, we, we use email uh, notifications, which is... Uh, we use email or Gmail or we, we, we integrate with any email. Yeah, you just put in your email and you'll get email notifications. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's one of the things that I, I strongly believe in is uh, meeting developers and users where they're at. And most people receive notifications via SMS or email. And um, it's, it's hard sometimes uh, for people to log in to an app um, but it's much easier, you know, every day you check your email and you get notifications on your email. So if something's going wrong, that's where you should be reached. Even you can uh, attach or log in with your Slack wallet or Stoic, I'm not pretty sure exactly with wallets, but directly you can get automatically ICT tokens to put on the canisters automatically, right? The client doesn't need to ask or request anything. That's, mm -hmm. that's yeah, yeah, and the, the black hole as you mentioned as well, and it's totally free. Yeah. It's not, not any charges or uh, the, what's that? It's totally free or or this this service or or the. Uh, so no, so the service you essentially um, put ICP into your CycleOps account, and we get our cycles currently from Sonic or the best exchange rate. Where we can purchase cycles so you so when we're topping you up or your canister up you're getting a at least a 3x um cheaper rate on you know cycles per icp and what we do is we charge a a, a margin on top of that every time we top up canisters okay. um, for the service we provide mm -hmm. um, but it's a it's a small fee to pay to ensure that your your canister stays up uh, that's what we believe. And um, going forward with that product, we're going to be adding more advanced analytics, such as to detect when all of a sudden you have a spike in cycles usage. So that, you know, with AWS, you get a $20,000 bill at the end of the month. And you're like, what's going on here? Um, with uh, these abnormal notifications, you're going to be able to know right away. And we'll notify you with an email saying, hey, you're burning more than you usually do uh, in a day. Um, and we're also uh, looking at providing a, a way for developers to essentially with like Coinbase pay to say, hey, here's my credit card, top me up with uh, top up my canisters, but you can pay in fiat potentially. So, uh, you know, moving, moving backwards from cycles to ICP where we are and now potentially can we think about paying for compute on the internet computer with, you know, dollars or Swiss francs? Um, and, um, yeah, and, and, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of features. We've had a team's functionality that people have asked for and, uh, you know, wanting to pay for compute and CKBTC or whatnot. Um, so there's a lot of interesting avenues we're exploring on that front. Yeah. And then, uh, the project that I use in, uh, the cycle ops, 
you mentioned Discover, uh, Origin, Itoka, but there are a lot of, of projects on ACP and all the projects has to pay the cycles, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, as, as more projects start to use CycleOps, we think there's a, a important case to make for the project becoming an SNS and a public utility that can be shared by all these projects, especially since it's such an important, um, it's such an important utility in making sure that all of the canisters on the inner computer stay funded as long as those, uh, their developers and founders want to fund them. Yeah. And do you think any of these projects, even they even know about the, uh, the cycle of exist? Because uh, it's definitely possible. I mean, we've only been live for a little over a month. So, um, you know, there's, and there's so many projects on the inner computer developers, we're all developing in our, in our own little hole sometimes. And then we come out two months later and then we learn about all the amazing projects and features that have been delivered in the past couple of months. So, um, yeah, still onboarding projects, uh, every week, uh, to cycle ops and, and really excited about that. It's been a, a great, uh, you know, team effort between myself, um, uh, Jorn Hukum, who goes by Jorgen Builder, and then uh, Quint Danen, who uh, goes by uh, D. Wu, or uh, Quint underscore eight uh, on Twitter. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoy collaborating with other developers on the internet computer and, um, and, and building cool tools together. And by now you can run the, the project just you and, and your other founders or more people. You're thinking in the future maybe you hire someone more. Sorry, you're, you're, uh, the sound is a little far away. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, now uh, just you and your founders, uh, the other co-founders can run the business or maybe you need someone more in the future. Your idea is hire more developers or by now, that's fine. You can manage all the projects and all the, the different things. Uh, because I, I assume if there are more projects or developers that use the services, it doesn't matter, right? If it's one or thousands or millions, because uh, it's automatically or, or it costs more effort for you if more uh, ICP projects join or, or want to uh, get your services. Yeah. I think this is the the business uh, mindset of of you coming in, an economics background, right, Javier? Yeah. <laughs> uh, thinking about how how all this is going to scale up and and how this is going to work. So, uh, with the with the can scale initiative, I try to build projects with you know some amount of scalability in mind. So currently, um, I, I think we're pretty confident that canister that Cyclops will be able to monitor monitor at least up to. 10,000 canisters uh, with the current architecture. And we have plans to expand beyond that once we get a little closer and more, more traction. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I think CycleOps right now is a, is a pretty self-maintained project between uh, the three developers. We have plenty to do. Um, and um I don't know if it, if uh, it necessarily makes sense for us to hire more developers 
at this point. But if um, the demand all of a sudden spikes and developers are asking for you know, new infrastructure and new features to integrate with CycleOps, we can definitely turn on the turn on the uh, the hose when that time comes. Okay, yeah, have sense. Uh, and it's like an organically growth. It's a smart thing to do the the yeah run uh, start a company and continues the evolution and the growth of a company. This is a smart uh, decision. Why you're going to hire more people if you don't need it now, right? Maybe in the future if you have this spike that you mentioned and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is this is why I I really enjoy working on different infrastructure projects and maintaining them. Uh, as an entrepreneur, if you commit too heavily to one project, you or one path, um, it's hard to know where your customers and your users at are at and what they really want. So you just sort of put a feeler out there, see what people want, and let them tell you, and work backwards from there. Yeah. Um, so that's what I've tried to do with, you know, CanDB, uh, put the project out there, let developers give me feedback, and then work on another project in the meantime, while all of that's getting tested. Because otherwise, you can sort of end up wasting your time going down a path and then figure out, oh, no one actually wants this. Yeah. But with CanDB, it was great, right? Because you just launch and, okay, we are going to, I love this one. <laughs> what? CanDB what happened and then oh wow you have a lot of requests a lot of people developers interested right and it was a surprise right for you and I assume it's, it's also like you feel like proud right it's like okay yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's my it's my baby um <laughs> no it's my internet computer baby um yeah it it was a very it's a very special project to me, and uh, even after the uh, the sale of Candy Bead Origin, I'm continuing as an advisor and an open source maintainer on the project. Um, I'm holding office hours. I'm still communicating with the projects that I've been communicating with over the past couple of months uh, because I really want to see those projects succeed with Candy Bead or without Candy Bead, whatever whatever software they decide to use. Um, and yeah, it definitely holds, I definitely am very thankful to all the projects that have taken the risk and time to adopt CandyB um, because, um, yeah, I, I mean, that that's also been very, very um, just rewarding to work with different teams, to feel what their, what their problems are, their pain points, and to use that feedback to improve Candy B to make it better. Um, I've made several improvements over the past few months entirely based off of feedback I got from developers. Mm -hmm. Amazing, great. Okay, um, my last question normally with all the projects is uh, more related to the ICP ecosystem. It's more like funny questions. Bef okay. uh, before to go that, you have to add something more about uh, your project, your ideas, any something like you want to uh, point out before to go for the ICP questions. Um, I'm really not sure what to say. <laughs> um, no, that's fine. Maybe something because you have a lot of uh, things, projects. Uh, uh, maybe you. Uh, oh well, I I I can say that I'm. I'm working on a project with Jesse Friedman. Uh -huh. um, you may know him as ICP Jesse. 
sure. host of the Neuronic Podcast, or the creator of the Every Chipping Blockchain video, or many other videos. Um, yeah, and, and I'm really, really excited. I think our our goal with this application with this application is a little bit different. It's not necessarily as infrastructure focused as I've been in the past. And we're, we're hoping to build a hit for the internet computer and uh, the ecosystem and hopefully something that your mom and dad and your uh, old friend from high school or college would love as well. And, um, and we'll bring everyone together and hopefully it'll make all of us laugh too. So that's a little bit of a teaser. Great, great. Have you already started with this project or this is... Uh, yeah, we've we, we started with this project and uh, you can expect some activity in the next few months. Oh, nice. Great, great, great. You and Jesse, yeah, yes, a good couple. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, perfect. Um, let's have like three, four questions uh, for the ICP uh, community. The ICP questions. Uh, are you eight years gang? You have your uh, ICP. I have a, I have a few eight eight year neurons. Yeah. Uh, I am not full eight years. I cannot claim to to be there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like to distribute my risk out um, a little bit, but um, I think I think there's a lot of promise, and I think the the way that the NNS designed is just pretty pretty incredible and and unbelievable. Uh, the thought that went into you know all the different uh, dissolved delays and the voting rewards and the incentives. Um, so yes, I definitely have a decent amount of my ICP in the year in Iran. Good, good to know. Uh, what is your favorite project on ICP? That's or a good question. You have more uh, mentioned well, that. so I've actually been using OpenChat a lot very recently and um, I'd say probably at least five to 10 of the people that I communicate with regularly, I communicate with on OpenChat. Um, and their new notifications feature that just got released really, really helps uh, keep me engaged there. Yeah. Um, and then when I went to ICP Lab, I saw a lot of really awesome projects. One project that sort of blew my mind was Portal. Um, I thought their video streaming solution was pretty breathtaking um, and that that all can be done on chain. So that's that's a project I'd like, to, you know, hope you, you should all keep an eye on and watch out for what they're going to do. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, yeah, that's 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 true. And I think Portal even can do uh, things for uh, sports industry, video games. Um, they, they have audio too, so you can put this podcast up on on Portal. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. That's yeah. This is something like I have to do for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, and what what is the? Uh, you mentioned like your favorite projects. Uh, my 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 other question is, what is for you the project that has more potential? You said Portal. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think Discover is an amazing project. I think there's. Discover is one of the most integrated projects on the IC. Uh, and, you know, having this whole, one thing we've learned from social media is that network effects matter. The more links and integrations you have in your application, 
the more uh, users you'll get coming back to you. And I think Rick's been really, really smart about this. Also saying, you know, what does it make sense for me to spend time on building and what can I use that other, other projects have built in the community and how can I integrate that? Um, and I think that's why, you know, discoverers continue to be like the gold standard of social network on the internet computer. Yeah. Okay, and the last one, how do you imagine uh, internet computer? Uh, the roadmap is, is uh, 20 years, I think it's until 2040. How do you imagine internet computer uh, in 2040? Do you think it's going to be totally disruptive and it's going to uh, change the web tool and uh, all the, the clothes, uh, centralized services and all these type of things, they are going to switch to internet computer or uh, there are just a, a space for internet computer but is still growing and still having uh, the web tool spaces or the cloud centralized services in general I, I yeah I, I don't I don't want to uh predict 20 years in the future because I'll probably be, be wrong uh, <laughs> but I think all of us are going to be surprised about what is possible 20 years from now I mean you see chips keep getting smaller and smaller and your internet keeps getting faster and faster for cheaper and cheaper and um, the question will be like, you know, how fast can the internet computer go? Is, is and, and what is the rate at which Dfinity can continue to innovate? And other, maybe, you know, there'll be other uh, large contributors to the internet computer. I think, you know, we'd all love to see that as well um, down the line as, as, as the project continues to mature. So um, I, I think that we're all going to be really surprised by what's possible um, because of what advances in technology are going to enable. Advances in technology are just going to enable the blockchain to move that much faster. And um, that's when you're going to start to see a lot of social networks take off, potentially down the line, maybe some AI on chain so that could that could be interesting as well mm -hmm. yeah and also in terms of the, the blockchain in general and cryptocurrencies we have more than seven thousand, or i'm not sure exactly you think uh, at least in, in a years or in a few years it's going to reduce a lot of this type of meme coins and, and bullshit <laughs> Or is going to increase sorry, sorry say, that, say that one more time <laughs> yeah no 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 I, I mean that we have now a lot of projects uh also, meme coins and and use like uh, not not useful projects uh, in your opinion. Yeah. Uh, in the future, they only space for for the real real projects because one project is if it's nothing and they don't yeah. profitable, they can maybe the the hype can stay like one day, year two years, but then in five or six or whatever years, it's going to disappear, right? And now yeah, that... a lot of clubs. Uh, uh, projects, right, and, and crypto. What is your opinion about that? Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen this like in the boom and bust cycles in in crypto, right? Um, over the past several years, you'll see hype, and then you'll see uh, it, you know, the cycle repeat. But through this whole process, the internet computer is 
and, and the engineering uh, team at Definity, they've been building very consistently. Um, and with each new feature that gets rolled out, it enables uh, a developer or someone with an idea to produce something of true tangible value for users or businesses. Um, and you know whether that means the entire application is on chain or something of extreme value is on chain, but the rest of the application is off chain. Uh, there's there's a lot of like I said, the internet computer is a green space. There's a lot of places where developers can extract value. You know, I I did that with CandyB. Uh, I've done that with uh, Yorn and Quint building CycleOps, and I'm pretty confident that this next project will also uh, provide a lot of value to developers. So, um, so I guess to answer your question in short, the the hype cycles will always be there, but they'll be quicker and quicker and quicker. And the true value projects will be sustainable. And I think some of those projects you can only really build on the internet computer. Uh, it's it's much harder or more expensive to do that on any other chain. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, as we see more successful, successful projects, SNS, um, more and more entrepreneurs and developers will see that and come to the internet computer. Yeah, no, exactly, because if the project goes towards uh, SNS and DAO and decentralization, internet computer is the only one now that is 100% on chain. The only one, as you mentioned before, is okay, 1% maybe from uh, end is uh, on chain, but then the other 99% is through the Amazon Web Services or, or Azure or Microsoft Cloud or whatever. Um, yeah, if the future goes towards uh, decentralization and DAO, uh, for sure, internet computer is is uh, the first on in the, is, uh, in the pole position, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, Byron Becker, uh, it's a pleasure to having you here on the Let's Talk ICP podcast. Uh, it was pretty fun conversation, and we learned a lot about uh, you, about your projects. Uh, you are the co-founder of a lot of projects, <laughs> can <-DB>, can scale, <laughs> uh, the cycle up, and yeah, all the, these projects. Uh, are pretty cool. I hope the best for, for you for the next uh, next years. And I hopefully 100% uh, in the future of the developers on ICP use uh, CycleUp, right? Why not? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I, yeah, thanks for having me on, Javier. And I'm uh, looking forward to maybe seeing you out in uh, Vancouver and British Columbia or yeah, uh, and and anyone who's listening to this podcast, if you are in the San Francisco Bay Area and you want to talk about the internet computer, you can always hit me up at uh, can underscale score scale on Twitter as well. I love getting together and, and talking about the internet computer. Sounds good. Yeah, we will be in the next 12th July and 13th July at UBC, University of British Columbia, for the Blockchain Week Summer. If uh, someone is there around San Francisco or around Seattle or, or Vancouver, yeah, feel please feel free to come in and, and join with us because it was it will be pretty pretty fun fun uh, uh, blockchain summer um, yeah event for sure. Okay, Byron, uh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, see you soon. Okay, take Sounds care. Good. Talk to you again soon. Bye. Thanks. Bye. -bye. Thank you.